Welcome to Legacy Therapy, the podcast that will teach you, in bite-sized chunks, how to leave a stress-free legacy so loved ones can focus on people, not paperwork, when you become ill or pass away. Here is your host and financial advocate, Stacy Golden-Lisnock. Hello and welcome to this episode of Legacy Therapy, Planning Techniques for a Stress-Free Legacy. I'm Stacy Golden-Lisnock, your financial advocate, and today I have with me Jeannie Gormick. Jeannie and I have been friends for years. We've known each other, um, but now we're getting to know each other a little bit better because she's going to share some stories that she has. She has a uh, interesting past in that she worked really and intimately in the hospice arena, and then she's a recent widow, and she also dealt with her parents and their passing. So we have a few stories to tell, and I'm really um, interested to get started. So welcome, Jeannie. Well, thank you very much, Stacy. This is it's so good to see you again. <laughs> it's been a while, that's for sure. Definitely. Yeah. So tell us, uh, I'd like to hear about the hospice first. You said sure. you worked in that area for a long time. I know you have some good stories there because uh, all those people then are at their last last uh, phase in life mm-hmm. and just mm-hmm. being kept as comfortable as possible. That's yeah. really the, the, whole, the whole idea around hospice from what I understand. You're not really yep. trying to heal them or make them well. You're just trying to make them comfortable, yes. right? Okay. Yes, yes, yes. Um, in fact, uh, just as an explanation, uh, the whole purpose of hospice is at end of life and Medicare regulates that. So uh, our nurses and our staff people had to always make sure that that person still qualified for hospice. Mm. And so we had a terminology. Sometimes our patients actually graduated from hospice. And that, that was always such a good thing. It was hard on the families sometimes because the families were getting so much support from hospice. Hospice, let me see if I can say this right. Hospice is the one service that you don't want or you don't want to be in the situation where you need it, but it's the best possible situation if you are facing end of life with a loved one. Mm-hmm. I, one of a friend of mine passed away now seven years already this December. Um, and she had hospice at the end. And so that was my um, witness of that. And my mom had hospice at the end too, but my mom's hospice nurse made a comment and she said, it's so beautiful to witness the passing of someone because it's, Uh it's just so rare of a thing to be able to witness that. And so you actually feel the peace around the event yeah. Um, yeah. Have you heard anything like that? Uh, oh, yeah. We we got lots of those stories. I have not experienced it myself. <laughs> and I have a unique situation in that, um, though I worked in hospice or work in hospice as a volunteer coordinator, I also experienced hospice with my disabled younger brother. We, we lost him last August. But that, yeah, I know. (laughs) Last year, you know, I've got a positive attitude. And last year was my country Western song year. You know how the boyfriend left, you know, the the dog died, you know, that kind of thing. 
but no, going back to this. Uh, so I experienced hospice as a family member. And I can't tell you how valuable they were because I was 3000 miles away. And uh, I had a relationship with the social worker and a relationship with his nurse. And at some point, they called it right on. And they said, you know, I think now is the time you need to come back. And so I went back to visit and I was able to be there for the last couple of uh, weeks of his life, set up his uh, funeral memorial service and take care of what I, I needed to do as the matriarch of our family at that point. Yeah. Wow. You've had a tough little few little years here because you lost your husband two years ago then. So that wasn't that. Yeah. In the same year, 2019, you know, uh, COVID is a difficult and something that needs to be taken very seriously. But at the same time, it's almost like the year 2019 prepared me for 2020 and COVID. You know, there's no other way of, of putting it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So how, so as far as the hospice, do you have any, 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 I think you said you had some third hand stories because you oh, were yeah, the supervisor yeah. so or the coordinator. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for bringing me back. Yeah. Um, uh, oftentimes the nurse is there at the end, uh, either a nurse or sometimes it's a social worker, but there's, uh, because we have something called continuous care. If it's looking like this person is going to pass in the, maybe the next 24 hours, let's say, um, they put the person on continuous care, which means there's a staff member there present on a continual basis. So uh, that those people have been in those situations and sometimes they've been the only one there when a family member hasn't arrived yet, you know, like, like if my situation had been different and they hadn't really called it with that, that time span that I needed. Mm -hmm. And I was in an airplane traveling and not there yet, at least somebody was there at the end of the life. And so, yeah. And there's a piece. I am one of my volunteers. Um, oh gosh, <laughs> I can get emotional over other people's stories. <laughs> But one of my, my volunteers, very, very intuitive, beautiful woman, and she had a patient that I was able to tell her, I know it's not your normal day, but it might be helpful for you to go uh, and be with your patient, minister to the family, um, just be there for them. Because the the volunteers serve the purpose, which is non-medical. So they're more like a friend, mm -hmm. a friendly visitor who's, who's there. And she was able to be there at the time of death. And she was bowled over by the peace that she, that she felt in the room, the, the sense of um, everything's okay. Obviously, loved ones have just lost somebody important to them. But that sense of peace was there. I haven't experienced it myself in uh, the two cases. My dad wasn't on hospice, but he was in a VA home and 
uh, I was visiting under those same circumstances. I, I, I just bless all the medical people <laughs> that have been there for my hospice experiences. But even with my dad, it was a phone call. I was getting dressed, ready to go to visit. And it was a call that he had passed. And same thing with my brother. Mm. But at least I was there. Right. Yeah. And then your husband too, like, did he, um, was that expected or unexpected or how did that work? You know, that that's a hard one to, to explain because it wasn't expected. Well, you never expect it. No. Okay. But he'd been sick with a heart condition and diabetes for 10 years. So he was declining. It was getting harder for him to exert himself, that kind of thing. But he was still driving and he was still getting out on his own. I was working full time and coming home and he was fine. But um, his last week was tough. We're dealing with COVID right now. And in it, it, COVID wasn't there in January of 2019 when he passed away. Mm. But, but at the same time, what weakened his body or... Um, weakened his heart was um, a, a respiratory infection that that one it, it was R as in Robert S is in Sam uh, V is in Victor uh, and RSV was very dangerous for children young children and so when he went to the hospital, I took him to the hospital because and he hated hospitals, but he said on Christmas Day, I think I need to go to the doctor. And I said, it's Christmas Day, the clinics and all that, they're all going to be closed. I have to take you to the hospital. And when he said he needed to go, um, okay, this is serious because he hated hospitals. So I took him and when they got the blood test back from emergency, they identified the RSV in his system and everything was, uh, P, you know, P, PPE. Um, the doctors that came to see him, they made sure that I had my mask on, that I, you know, because I was infected with it too, as it turns out later. But anyway, the, the, the point was, it was a respiratory infection that weakened his heart. And um, he'd been home for about a, a, a week, but he was having trouble. He was falling. I actually had to have a caregiver for him that last week. Yeah, it was, it was tough. So it wasn't expected. Mm-mm. It wasn't even expected when he, because he, he had a defibrillator. Um, uh, and when that went off, there was a noise in the room and I went in and he was just lying on the bed. And so I called 911. I had the life alert and we just went from there. So, wow. yeah, 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 it was tough. Wow. So did you, did you find, cause I know we were talking a little earlier, you said that you pretty much had everything together. Did, have you found anything? Uh, because you're the one that kind of handled. Ooh. Yeah. Had you found anything that you like needed to know from him that there's no way you're going to find out now? You, or oh. <laughs> Computer passwords. No, <laughs> I mean, seriously, there were, there were a couple of those, but yeah. Yeah. he was meticulous and he, and I found 
pieces of paper Mm -hmm. that had the stuff, you know, and I had to decipher some of the stuff. But on a serious level, um, I had the the living trust in place. Uh, It was very smooth. That that stuff was all very smooth. What was interesting for anybody faced with this, he had handicap plates on his car. Mm-hmm. And I knew we needed to turn those in. Uh, I used AAA for the DMV. And uh, so we went up to, uh, my son and I went up to AAA and took the plates in. They were, I want to make sure I remember correctly, they were not able to turn in the plates because the car was registered only in his name and backing up a bit. It was a fairly new car. He'd had it for just a few months. And I remember when he got it, he said, should I put this in both of our names or should I just put it in uh, my name? And I said, well, that's your car and this one's my car. So yeah, just put it in your name. Didn't even think of it. Always register your cars as joint or either or, you know, uh, because I could have turned in the plates. I had to wait uh, for a certain time period and then return the plates and get get regular plates. Um, it was it it didn't bother me a lot, you know, but it was the one legal glitch, if you will, that yeah. I ran. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that can happen too if you have. Um... Uh, financing um, on a car, let's say, and it was in his name, uh-huh. and then you make the last payment of it. Um, now, this happened to somebody in New Jersey, but they they weren't able to get the the title because the person who was on the title was deceased, mm. even though even though he was making all the payment, finished up making all the payments. Very frustrating. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so there's, there's a lot these, to consider. Yeah, there's all these little rules and things that you wouldn't even necessarily know exist Mm -hmm. unless you come up against them and and then they're a roadblock so that's the last thing that you really want when you're having to deal with this stuff is is all these roadblocks keep coming up at you and you're already so overwhelmed you know exactly and grieving and grieving grieving. Mm -hmm. and taking on the taking on the you know you're you know if he had been the one paying all the bills and doing all Mm -hmm. of the stuff you would be then you know thrown into that yeah that's true yeah so yeah. So what, so what was the story with your, um, was it with your father? Um, oh, well, um, he died at 95. So, you know, he, he'd lived a, a, a good life, but, uh, and my brother was back East. This was the state of New York and I was out here. Um, I started getting reports from my brother that, dad was doing strange things. And it, it was a bit frustrating to me because I, I've only been in hospice maybe six years, but I've been in the senior industry for like 20 and I've run into dementia and Alzheimer's and heard so many people talking about it. But when it happens to you and your own family, you don't realize. And my dad, I, in fact, well, what happened was uh, it became clear uh, that he had dementia. He was impaired mentally. And each of my visits prior to that, 
I noticed on the dining room table, all these papers and I'd asked dad and it was his taxes, but his taxes were much more complicated than ours. You know, he, uh, the, they extended it. They did this, they did that. It was, it was his thing. And he was a very intelligent man. He was an attorney. So, um, I'd go visit and, oh yeah, it's handled it. Everything's fine. Well, once we found that he clearly had dementia and we were bringing in the caregivers to take care of him during the day and all of that uh, stuff, uh, that's when we realized, okay, those taxes have not been paid for a while and we got to get it straightened out. Well, uh, I coined a term uh, which actually was later backed up by some studies at some college. Mm -hmm. But the term that I coined, coined was intelligent dementia. And that sounds like, doesn't make any sense. But the idea is if somebody is extremely bright and my dad graduated from high school at 16. So if you're extremely bright, you're smart in your ways of handling things. And there's a, I think they call it a mini mental test that they give. And one of the questions they ask, and I was present in the living room at my dad's house when a, a social worker was asking these questions and he was asked, what's today's date? And he points over, if you get the newspaper from the chair over there, I'll tell you. Mm. So he didn't know what the date was but he knew how to access it. Yeah. That's why I called it intelligent dementia because, and it was so confusing. Well, do, what, do we just leave these taxes? What do we do? And my brother and I, I worked on it. Well, we finally, I contacted the uh, um, IRS you know, in his area. And thank goodness, upstate New York, it's a little bit easier. It's not as regimented as here. And I talked to the gentleman and I said, this is the situation. I am coming to visit and I will bring my dad to the office. But if you guys want to get paid, you're going to have to convince him that a CPA, that my, my brother was running a business, he had a CPA, uh, but you need to convince my dad to sign whatever it is to allow the CPA to do the work because my dad didn't trust the CPA. Well, how do I know he's doing it right? Well, the thing is you haven't paid your taxes for five years. <laughs> you know, yeah. Something's it's, wrong here. Yeah. Anyway. Like you're not was, doing it right. So no, you can't no, no. do it too but, much wrong. Yeah. We, to make a long story short, we were able to get him this, the IRS guy probably did illegal things, you know, cause they're not supposed to guide and lead, but my dad signed the papers accordingly. Uh, the CPA did the taxes and I'm back in California again. And I get this call from my brother, dad won't sign the final uh, tax papers because he doesn't think the CPA did the work properly. And it took 45 minutes for the CPA to convince my dad to sign his taxes and finally get it off our table. And that would, that was just one thing. You yeah. know, my mother died without a will, I think because of the dementia, but it was, it was really not identified back then. And uh, he was an attorney and my mother died without a will that 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, he obviously <laughs> wasn't that type of an attorney. <laughs> well, he wasn't, but, but you know, it, it, what's the old story that the, the shoemaker's kids have no shoes. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. And, and there was more to it than that. You know, yeah. he was trying, but he hadn't gotten around to it. Um, and so we had to go through probate in the state of New York. And that took years for my brother to, he, he was the um, official on that one, but uh, anyway, yeah. Yeah. The probate process is a, is one of those, one of those things that most people don't really realize that you just want to avoid. Uh, And they, they're not really concerned about it until it takes over their life. Mm-hmm. And their and their and their funds really it's it's quite expensive right the probate process oh yeah yeah there's there's charges for that mm-hmm. uh, which uh, and I can't speak for the state of New York but what I have heard in California it's so expensive that when you're looking at a couple thousand dollars or whatever they charge to put together a a living trust for you it's well worth that money. Yeah. And and I mean, there's, and there's so many levels of that living trust um, that costs too, but you're right because, because there's what they called like ordinary uh, and then extraordinary fees on the, on the probate and, and you're getting charged on a house to probate a house, Mm -hmm. a a percentage. And I think it's some, something like 6% or something of the, the, it isn't the equity that you have in the property that they're basing it on. It's the value of the property. That's right. You could have a million dollar house with a $900,000 mortgage. So you really only have a hundred thousand of equity, but you're going to get charged a probate fee on the million. And now you're talking. um, uh, Lots of money. Yeah. Is that 6% of a million? Oh, I wasn't as smart as my dad, so I have no idea. <laughs> I flunked math in fifth grade. Please don't ask me a math question. <laughs> or, or you know, if you'd like, I can get the calculator. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's I have like 10% of a million is 100,000. So 6% is 60,000. So you got to come up with $60,000 when you have $100,000 of equity in that particular example. And that's just the probating process of that. Um, that's not paying your attorneys. That's not paying the court fee. Uh, I think that's just the base because they could charge you extra. So people just don't get that this is something serious. Financially, it could devastate, you know, the whole estate. And time-wise, it's a a time suck because you have to take off work. You have to go to court. And, you know, with COVID now, everything's being um, pushed aside and it's going to take even longer Mm -hmm. because it's not considered an urgent matter. Uh, so yeah, it's something worth taking a look at. I've, I've been banging my head against the wall for a lot of years with, as a financial advisor, getting, you know, people to, um, well, I'm not getting them to do anything. I'm not an attorney, but I'm, I'm making, uh, suggestions to them that they take care of this and they just year in and year out, don't do anything. Yeah. And I just think that's, yeah, it's, it's a little irresponsible. (laughs) For your heirs. It's a lot (laughs) irresponsible. And the thing is, you, you know, let's take my situation. If I hadn't done this, this would have impacted my kids and my grandkids and my life, because where am I going to get that money to pay what I need, need to pay, you know, and I'm still alive and kicking. So yeah, yeah, it's, it, it's not always because you're the last one 
you know, to pass away and yeah, my kids don't need the money, blah, blah, blah. It, yeah. it isn't always, it, no. you, you have no control over how you, how or when you're going to die or what circumstances or what age. Right. So you darn well better get things in, in That's order. Right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. So the, the course that I have, they got it together, emergency info file. It just, it kept coming to me. I, I got sick in 2018. So I had this oh. and I got sick at the end of the year. Um, it was 28. So it was uh, 2017. So it was like the 27th of December. And so here we are in the holiday season and it was high flu season. So um, I, you know, I didn't, I didn't want to go. I just thought I had a rash. Um, but then when I was running the fever and I was in so much pain, I'm like, I have to go. So we go there to urgent visit and it's like standing room only. And it's like, they weren't going to take me for hours and um, was able to get in. And then immediately they, they got scared and thought I had something very, very serious. So they got me an ambulance. Wow. So, so then, so this is new year's Eve is when this new year's Eve day is when this was. So I'm um, then they don't have any beds because of, because it's so busy, they don't have any beds to admit me. So they released me. And um, anyway, I, I, I was sick for quite a few numbers, like six months, like six months, ah, serious, seriously sick yeah. for six months. And Sounds then like tried it. to keep it real, real light for the rest of the year because I didn't want to have a relapse and it was all brought on by stress. So, um, but during that time is when I kept thinking, uh, if I die here, uh, nobody knows how to get into the bank accounts. Nobody knows how to, how to transfer yeah. the money or where the money comes from or what I've done with this particular offer or, you know, when this loan is going to be done being paid or, you know, there's so many little nuances uh -huh. that only, uh -huh. you know, uh -huh. in your mind, you don't you have it written down anywhere. So I started buying workbooks and the workbooks, they would arrive and I would be like so excited that they arrived and then I would like do nothing with them. <laughs> so I thought I got, I, I got to create a course because I've been a financial advisor for over 30 years. I have, I know enough about how people are and yes. that they really want to have a, they want to have some guidance. They want to have some accountability and that's what I was seeking. So that's what I did. Anyway, so the whole thing is gets gets everything in order. So if you should pass away today, if okay. you should get sick today, and somebody has to come in and take, if you should get Alzheimer's now and you don't even know who you are, you have somebody that can, that already knows because you've had the conversation. Exactly, and they know where everything is and how to deal um, with your financial life. And I mean, some people have businesses that you would have to call like their clients and their appointments mm -hmm. and their or their mm -hmm. boss. Um, how much of that just goes undone and just creates worry and concern for the people that never hear from them, um, that just break appointments and they just never hear from them ever. And you always wonder whatever happened to that guy or that gal. Mm -hmm. It's just so weird, right? Because most people would never know. Um, I just lost a cousin on Sunday from COVID and I, I wouldn't have even known either, but I, I saw it on Facebook and I'm not on Facebook that often. Gosh, you I'm know, sorry. I just happened to catch it. And yeah, he was a guy that had no intention of dying anytime soon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, but I think about it because he had snakes and hat, he was raising snakes and all that stuff. And so somebody now gets to go in there, mm. uh, you know, and everything he left just as it was when he, he drove himself to the hospital. He had um, some wow. respiratory issues and ended yeah. up on the ventilator and the whole thing, it didn't last like three days. 
and he was perfectly fine, you know, before that. So you just don't know. And it's very scary to think that you could be knocked down so fast, but it happened to me with that, with the shingles. And it's like, I thought I was really happy. I thought I was all that and healthy and Mm -hmm. Uh nothing's going to happen to me. And that's not true. So better to have it all in place and just have to do like periodic updates when things, you know, you just every year, just sort of look it over, make sure you still have the right people in place because things change. Yes, (laughs) People's other people's health. Like if you have somebody listed in your healthcare directive um, and, and then they, they got sick or they moved away or that, you know, they're no longer your friend or whatever um, you need to fix those things. Absolutely. You have to stay on top of it. And on top of that, uh, because about a year before he passed away, uh, we had our living trust reviewed because there had been, I don't remember what it was, but there had been law changes in the law. So we knew, we knew that we needed to update that and that got put in place. Everything was fine. I have, I have basically a a thick notebook, Mm -hmm. which my all my kids know where it is but my daughter knows exactly where it is she's local and so if anything were to happen to me she'd just be she'd get that notebook and everything's there so the trust is there but you you alluded to um well what it made me think of were automatic payments yes and when you have and i have a policy against them but that doesn't do you very, very well because you come up with situations where you need to have it or you can save money if you, you know, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But I try to consciously go in there and right on that page, I had to sign up with ABC company for $25 a month because I, this happened with my, my dad. My dad was paying for some kind of insurance. It was uh, disability insurance or something. Well, he was 95 when he died. He didn't need disability insurance. You know, that should have been canceled a long time ago. And it took my brother more than a year to figure out that he shouldn't be paying that. Oh, my goodness. Really? You know, I mean, he was it was on the the checks and and it was so complicated that of to for my brother that um he just kept letting it slide and paying it so there were you know we stopped it but yeah you know there was no reimbursement no even though he had wasn't even alive no it it it, there should have been there should have been but the point is it's a complication that you don't need in that situation Right. So that, that brings up a good point about the, the um, automatic payments. So, um, you know, I've, I've, I've helped clients where they had nothing on auto pay and then ended up in the hospital. And that is a panic point for people that pay their check. They still pay by check right. and still put a stamp on the envelope and still run it to the mailbox, whatever, yeah. hand it to the mailman. It's a, it's a ritual that is just so like, natural for them that they never yes. wanted to switch over to this electronic auto well, pay or bank, or bank pay or there's several ways you can do it but um but then if if you know you're in the hospital and now you're you're sitting worried that your bills are not getting paid because that's something that you've always um aspired to 
to be on top of. You never would want to have a late payment or, or anything where you didn't pay on time. So, so for, for, you know, I've had to do that. And when you have to do them all at once, Mm -hmm. it is a huge job. Oh, it's incredible. Very huge. And it's not, it didn't go with, it didn't go that smooth. There were some where you put it on and then, and then they did, it didn't happen right away. Or there were some that it's it's not as easy as you think it should be, but when you're doing them one at a time and you know, when it first came around and they would give you the offer. And like you said, sometimes offer you discounts for doing it. But what I always tell people, especially like with your mortgage or your life insurance in particular, Mm -hmm. you don't want those things to not get paid because there's consequences. Uh, Life insurance could lapse if it's a term plan because there's no cash value to catch the drippings, you know, if it, if it doesn't get paid on time. So you really have 60 days and then you lose it. So I have a story of a, um, a gal, she called me, her father-in-law had passed away and she saw somewhere when she was going through the papers that he had this life insurance. Well, when I checked on it, he had lapsed it out and it was the same time frame. I said, he stopped paying this month and this whatever year. And she said, that's when he moved in with us. He got cancer and he couldn't take care of himself. So we had to move in and we didn't want to pry into his finances. So we didn't ask any questions and now it cost them a hundred thousand dollars. And I said, I'm sure that's not his intention. Like he had it on quarterly billing instead of a monthly draft. And so that's the danger when you become ill and you no longer can handle your affairs or you you get in a car accident and you're in a coma or you're in rehab because you just had, you know, bones repair, whatever it is. And you're not looking at your mail to pay that bill, right? You're on drugs and you're not really sharp and Exactly. Uh, I mean, drugs being that you're medicated. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, <laughs> no. but I'm just saying like, there's these situations. And so for people that are still with their, their heels in the sand or heels yes. in the mud, and they're, they're refusing to do it. You're really, you're really need to take a second look at it because these are the things that you don't want. You don't want your house, not your mortgage, not to get paid and your house go into foreclosure. So there was a, so I work with these certified fiduciaries. So this lady was telling me this one case she just had taken on the lady was starting to, you know, mentally decline. And when somebody finally stepped in to help her, she hadn't paid a mortgage in 10 months. You know, and it's only because of COVID that she didn't get foreclosed on because, you know, there's just, they're just not doing it right now. But, but in any other time in history, she would have been in the foreclosure. They could have sold the house from under her and she would have been then booted out of her house. Right. Like how sad is that? Yeah. And, and that's a very difficult time for adult children to start to say, mom, maybe I should be on your checking account just in case so that I can pay the bills, you know, that kind of thing. You need to have those conversations. And I think there's so much denial. People don't want to admit that someday something bad's going to happen. I'm hoping that with all of this COVID thing, it'll wake people up to, okay, wait, um, I'm, I'm still vibrant, I'm still alive, but I need to put my affairs in order just in case, because look at what COVID has done. Yeah. And, and it's so important. And, and uh, one other thing, going back to dementia, uh, if the person, and again, this is a legal thing, but uh, you can't get a power of attorney in place if the person has the dementia, if they 
are not capable of signing that I, my daughter or my son can be my advocate, uh, that's a complication too. So you need to do this. Not everybody's going to get dementia, but at the same time, you need to put all of these things into place and you also have to pick the right personality. In other words, um, there are your healthcare director directives and your financial. And so uh, I had to confirm with my son one more time that it was okay for him to do the finances, you know, which means if something happens to me, you'll be the executor, blah, 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 blah. Um, and my daughter, I had, when we lost their dad, um, I, I told her, I said, you know, you've always been on as our healthcare proxy, you know, because we trust you, you know what my belief system is, et cetera, et cetera. And, uh, but it, is that still okay? Mm -hmm. Because when I'm gone, you're not going to have dad that, you know, it, there's not two of us to consult with anymore. Right. So you have to have those conversations. Yeah, absolutely. That's important. You don't want to just name somebody and then uh, they're surprised to find out they're the named person on their exactly. on the, for those exactly. important decisions. Well, this has been really great, Gina, and we could probably talk all day, but um, try to keep I try to keep the, the podcast to a to a 30 minute max. And I think we went a little over, but we'll see. So I just want to thank you again for coming on and sharing your stories. It's it's enlightening. And I'm glad, you know. I'm glad you're on this new um, adventure and you're helping um, young parents and uh, you're still doing the hospice stuff. Uh, actually, I'm on a leave of absence right Are now okay. because of COVID. Oh, because of COVID. Because okay. they want to keep me safe. Yeah. Well, I want to keep you safe too. <laughs> so, <laughs> thank you. All right. Well, thank you again. And I just want to tell people, I always like to close the show by mentioning to go to the website, www.gotittogethernow.com. Take a look at the uh, online course, the emergency info file. And, you know, there's, it's never going to be too early to get this stuff done, but it can definitely be too late. So you don't want that to be your legacy. Um, so uh, with that, I'll be signing off. This is Stacy Golden Lisnock, your financial advocate. And again, thank you, Jeannie, for coming on. And uh, we'll see you all the next time. And in the meantime, stay safe. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Legacy Therapy Podcast. If we hit it out of the park today and you learned at least one new thing to take action on in your own quest to planning the best legacy possible, then be sure to tell your friends, subscribe, and rate and review wherever you get your podcast. The show notes will provide the sites and information that were discussed today. You can get more great tips, resources, and inspiration by visiting our website, legacytherapypodcast.com. Dot com.